Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, hello. This is just a note to say that this podcast episode contains spoilers and a brief reference to suicide. So, girly pops. <laughs> If you've been around Gay Actually or Gay Actually on UKFR for a while, you know two things about me, okay? You know that I had an obsession with Tom Cruise when I was a youngster. <laughs> <laughs> and you know that I had an obsession with Wentworth, the TV show. Both are as creepy as they sound. <laughs> they sound? They sound. <laughs> Can I speak? <laughs> anyway, and I had the obsession with Wentworth because of Bridget Westfall, the um, psychologist. <sighs> <laughs> Amber sent me this reel this morning. Oh my god. I literally can't believe it. She sent me this reel this morning <laughs> of Bridget Westfall. And the top comment was Yes, so <laughs> I sent it to you this morning and was like, read the top comment because it literally said she looks like the female version of Tom Cruise. Oh and god. I was like, Joyce, the stars have aligned for you. Oh my god. It li- and actually, it's not wrong. She has the same mouth. Even like that mole that Tom Cruise has. She has something there. So now I know your type. No, literally insane. (laughs) Like I was, I screamed, screamed. Cries in Scientology. Oh my. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Don't send me any letters. I'm not joining. I don't have any money. (laughs) Um, Yeah, just honestly, just blown away, truly. Mm. Anyway, Libby Tanner, if you're listening to this, hit me up. (laughs) Love ya. Or Tom Cruise for that matter. I'm willing to try. No. Cue the intro. (laughs) (laughs) But I am. I am the way they said I am. (laughs) I'm a homosexual. (laughs) Welcome to Gay Actually. Pish Perfect is a lesbian film. I'm awesome. gonna. <laughs> I think I might replace our intro with just that. And we're live. Did I make you nervous, Corky? I'm a homosexual. Lesbian. I'm a homosexual. I have loved you the way they said. You fancy gears? I'm having a proper full-on gay crisis. Hello and welcome to Gay Actually. Thanks for being here. It's gonna be a fun old gay time. Bitch Perfect is a lesbian musical film. <laughs> of course, of course. I want to carry off badass lesbian chic like Kate Blanchett can. <laughs> welcome. <laughs> welcome to Gay Actually, a series as part of the UK Film Review podcast. We are your hosts, Amber and Joyce. We are here to talk about all things LGBTQ plus film. What a roller coaster it's been so far. We've already talked about Rachel Sennett. We lost our minds over the fact that she's not queer. Or Jewish. Or Jewish. <laughs> um, if you missed that episode, it's our January episode. Where have you been? Feel free to catch up. Also, we have our own channel, Gay Actually, 
We have a couple of episodes over there for your listening ears. We reviewed Dan Levy's film Good Grief, and we have also reviewed the queer rom-com of last summer, Red, White, and Royal Blue. So if you're into... If you're into weird royal gay princes or a discussion of grief with the guy from Schitt's Creek, these are the episodes for you. I'm going to stop rambling now, Joyce. Hi. Hey, y'all. What's up? Um, When you find out what we're going to talk about in this episode, which you will probably guess from the title, um, there's a reason why we've lost our minds this week. Oh, we went to... Yes. What are we talking about, Joyce? We were talking about... The most depressing film I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> All of us strangers. All of us strangers. We went to see it on Monday. This is that was three days before we're recording this, and we. It's very rare that we'll go and see a film together, mm-hmm. so we got to experience it together. It was very, very cathartic, very fun, and Joyce cried the whole time. <laughs> And I just you laughed at me. I well, I just caught you off guard because it was a really quiet bit, and all of a sudden Joyce just went because <laughs> she was absolutely. And I turned around and realised she was bawling her eyes out. So I just went. Huh? <laughs> Joyce literally said she was like, "Don't laugh at me." No, in the but- cinema, really quietly. It was fine. We didn't disturb anyone, but we I- were creasing. The reason I said don't laugh is because she made like I I wanted to laugh at you laughing because the noise you made was so funny but I was already crying so what was coming out of me was just absolute like terror it was like (laughs) (laughs) and I was like oh my god now I'm being too loud I was crying silently in peace yeah yeah Anyway, all of us strangers. Oh, what a roller coaster. A new <sighs> film came out at the end of January, so really new, really fresh. Andrew Scott, Paul Meskell, Claire Foy. Really, really good. Hot, hot, hot. Emotions were felt. Things were seen. Yeah, where to even begin? Where to even begin with this gorgeous so... film? It's been received really well by critics. All of us strangers was directed by someone called Andrew. Hey. hey, yeah, okay, yeah. H a i g h. Andrew Hay. I haven't seen any of his other films, but he's the one that did Lean on Pete, which I always wanted to watch, but mm-hmm. I never got around to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. It is really well received, like you were saying. Yeah, okay. I, I just feel like if you haven't seen it before, you listen to this review. Go and watch it because we're probably about to spoil it, but also. Like, there's just there's just no way of comprehending this film if you haven't seen it. Like, I ju- do you know what I mean? It ju- I just feel like it's such an experience, and especially in the cinema. Yeah, I don't think I can comprehend it now. No, no. <laughs> um, no, I feel I can. I barely feel like I can comprehend it as well. I feel like we should probably just dive straight in. Yeah. Tbh. Okay. <laughs> what did you rate it? Did you give it a rating? On letterbox, mm-hmm. I I just updated my letterbox from like a month's worth of films. I think I gave it a five, but I can't remember off the top mm. of my head. Wow, a five! It was either a four or a five. Okay, what about you? I didn't give it a rating because I don't know. Okay, <laughs> okay, I'm really struggling, and I can't actively yeah. think about this film too much because I will literally fall into a hole yeah. of darkness. That's great yeah <laughs> i no you can cut this out if this is a spoiler too soon in the episode but i like films where everyone dies at the end is like it's tough the bleakest shit to me ever like only films where everyone dies at the end are films where i feel like i'm gonna go and it's quite shakespearean isn't it oh it's quite depressing you kind of feel a bit like you've got whiplash at the end yeah yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess we should dive straight into it. Let's do that. All of Us Strangers is <laughs> beautiful. We have Andrew Scott as... Sexy. Maybe. You may know Andrew Scott f- as being the hot priest. I know most of you listening will. However, those of you... I know there are some nerds listening to this. Moriarty. I literally have the Sherlock box set under my bed currently. He's been a queer icon for a long time. Yeah. There's nothing new 
yeah. that I am witnessing right now. But I think it is new for certain audiences that are coming to see Andrew Scott play a queer role for the first time. He's done lots of queer roles. Moriarty was kind of the first queer coded. So fruity. Fruity fruit fruit yeah. um, moment. Uh, there's been a lot of, he's had a lot of queer fans for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very exciting to see him in a role like this. Uh, he is playing a gay man. He's living. He's living in a apartment block that is new. It's a new build, so it's mm. not been filled yet, and so it's very isolating. It's very lonely, and he meets one of the only other people living in the building, Paul Meskel's character, and they kind of develop a romance. Um. So Andrew Scott's character is called Adam. Yeah. And Paul Meskel is Harry. So. Adam meets Harry. There's a there's a romance that's formed and that's kind of budding alongside Adam still dealing with his childhood grief of losing both of his parents very young. And the film is very candid about how he's trying to wrestle his loneliness, his queerness and his grief all intertwined with each other. And that's basically the plot. It's yeah. very... It's, at its bones, it's very simple, but I think it makes a really, really thoughtful film. Mm-hmm. What are your initial thoughts? Let's, should we start at the beginning? Yeah. Tell me what you thought, because we haven't well, actually spoken that much about it yet. We kind of were like, well, that's depressing. See you on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> that was um, kind of it. Oh my God. <laughs> I, what I liked about the film is that it like it really went there. Like... It didn't hold back on covering subjects that are difficult to talk about. And it was very honest about it. Yeah. And I really appreciated that part. Like, it didn't feel like it was trying to make light of it or kind of spin the romance to become, like, the central story. It was very real. Yeah. Um, and then I kind of liked the way it played with time and perception of reality. I think that's always quite fun for me um and i it was very simple but it was effective mm-hmm. here in this example i think it was good um i'm struggling because i i cannot grieve and i said this in an episode about good grief yeah. but like seeing people grieve or like talk the talk of grief really makes me cry like a child so i was preoccupied with that you got through a lot of packs of tissues that's for sure i did I completely agree with you. I think, obviously, we've talked about quite candidly at the end of last year, um, like, queer narratives frozen in time. And I feel like this film is a really clear example of that. Mm-hmm. The, this guy, Adam, he feels so suspended in time. He's like a, he's like a princess in his tower. Like, he's in this yeah. tower block... The opening shot is gorgeous. The entire skyline of London as the sun's coming up. And then he slowly comes into view. He's looking over everything. Because London, the city, is, is bustling. It's it's loud. But we don't... He lives in London. He's looking at London. Yeah. And we don't see any of the hustle and bustle. Everything is very... We we do. There are like hectic moments where there's lots of people, but it's all very isolated. You you just get the sense that he is just far removed from other people's reality. He exists in his own space, and he even exists in his own time. Especially because as as the film goes through the motions, he's having conversations with his parents who have been dead for a long time. But it's like they're happening in real time because he wants to be having these conversations with them. He wants to kind of speak to his parents as an adult to gain some type of comfort when really the film just actually just has to chart his journey towards closure. And like it's just such a beautiful thing. It's heartbreaking as hell, but it's such a nice thing to witness him coming to that acceptance stage of grief and actually understanding that he needs to move on for himself and it's okay and it's so sad yeah no wonder you cried so much (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. I don't really cry during films. I, you know, I feel like sad and like I well up. But with things like that, like <laughs> I'm a bit sick. <laughs> just the tears just don't fall. The tears fall for me. Repression. <laughs> and depression. <laughs> Summer depression. Mm. Um, that was really nicely said. Yeah. Oh, thanks, girl. Mm. Should we start how they meet? Actually, I think this is super cute. Oh, Adam and Harry. Adam and Harry. Go for it. So it starts with Adam. He's he's clearly a writer. He's trying to write. He doesn't have any inspiration. I love the records he puts on as well. Oh. Like, just to kind of... that. Just to interject, I feel like he's often playing 80s music. Mm-hmm. And it's... I guess he's trying to return to that time. Because I'm never really sure if it's part of his writing process or part of his grieving process or if it's both. Because he's writing a play about his, or a film about his parents. And the records he plays whilst he's writing are all from the 80s. Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Other famous 80s songs. <laughs> Unspecified. <laughs> but like, it's all really famous songs that it's like he's trying to get back into that yeah. time. Yeah. For multiple reasons, as we find out. Well... But yeah, you could say anyway. that he's frozen in time for something like that. <laughs> hey, girl. <laughs> hey. Um, yeah, because when we see him interact with his parents, there's often records playing kind of in his memory of what it was like living with his parents in his childhood home. So it makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's a writer. And then the fire alarm goes off in the building. He goes downstairs and there's like five people outside or something like that. And <laughs> there's then, like no one outside no. from his building. It's like It's like he lives in that building alone yeah it's very lonely and it feels very like empty you even you know when you're walking alone at night and there's like massive buildings around and it just feels Mm -hmm. like there's no one there city of ghosts yeah but there are people but you just can't see them yeah it's terrifying but i feel like as well he is just surrounded literally by ghosts but yeah he is (laughs) because we don't spoiler alert we don't interact with anyone other than him and the quote ghosts of his past yeah we don't we don't meet anyone external to that so it's, we're all we're in his head the whole time yeah it's mad right so when he's standing outside he looks up and i i love i think this film you were saying it with the with the skyline in the window and the gorge it is gorgeous and I've always liked that idea, and I think a lot of people do, of kind of having a look at a building and seeing all the little lives happening in all the little windows, right? Mm. Like, it's such a Like common, rear window. Like rear window, but also just in photography. There's, so many people yeah. are inspired by it, right? It's great. Yeah. And we kind of get that here for a second, because we see one window that's still lit up and someone's inside kind of leaning against the window. It, it just looks so great. Like, you just want to know what's inside right yeah. i get that curiosity um so yeah adam goes back up to his apartment and then that person from that floor um comes and pays him a visit with, Ooh la la. with a bottle of what was it Mm-mm. tequila whiskey tequila yeah. something something spicy oh gin it was gin oh something spicy uh, with a bottle of gin <laughs> it's like do you want a drink <laughs> and adam says no rib that's very sad i also love that in this film two gorgeous irish actors only one of them is irish paul mescal decides to adopt a mancunian accent for this film which i actually thought was quite good i think he did quite well that means nothing to my non-british ears well he's from manchester oh (laughs) Oh, sorry mancunian Mancunian. oh that's yeah mancunian liverpudlian Puddlian. Liverpudlian, if you're from Liverpool. Scouse. Yeah, it can be Scouse. Okay. Most people say Scouse. Yeah. Brummy, if you're from word. Birmingham. I have heard that. Brummie. Yeah, well, there you go. Manconian? Mancunian. Mancunian. Everyone listening from the north right now is going to be like, screw you, but <laughs> to me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, wow. But yeah, from Manchester. Well, what's like a Yorkshire accent? Uh pass <laughs> i'm from the south <laughs> i'm from the south with an f okay oh that was another part of the film as well when he was like what am i gonna do in dorking and i was like 
you know, I looked at you. Oh, at yeah, that moment. yeah. What is that? That is a town near where I grew up. Oh. That's literally. Oh, because it's like outside yeah. of London. Sub- it's, yeah, suburbs. Yeah. Okay. Uh, funny, sorry. Funny. That, um, that was a good conversation. And I concur because there's nothing to do in Dorking. <laughs> it is boring. Mm-hmm. No shade. Tom Felton's there sometimes. To do what? His mum lives there. Oh. Thank you for the context. <laughs> His mum owns a shop in Dorking. Okay. But there's not much to do. But yes, near where I grew up. Oh, well, thank you for that. (laughs) You're welcome. I've learned. That was a nice little point of connection for me. Anyway. Carry on, please. Um, What happens after that? He goes to visit his parents. He goes to visit his parents a lot. I couldn't figure out where his parents lived. Somewhere suburbia, right? It was giving Kent. (laughs) (laughs) It was giving... Because I swear he was on like a southeastern train. Maybe it's like... Yeah. He was going to East Grinstead, so that's in Sussex. Okay. So maybe, I mean, that's south. He's a he's a southern boy. Yeah. Well, so he has an Irish accent in the film, and I was wondering how they were going to explain that. And then they explained that when his parents died when he was a child, he moved to be with his granny in Dublin. Now that makes sense. I was like, thank you for addressing that. <laughs> like, because he just didn't do an accent. Yeah. I was like fair but Paul Meskell did a very good Mancunian accent Mancunian <laughs> yeah um, yeah yeah so he goes so okay I'm very dis- like I'm really confused about this film because I can't like keep up with the timeline because so much happened that like switched everything around but I don't think there is a timeline no let's, so let's just talk about yeah. the different parts of like the film let's so, do it okay should we talk about the parents first or the relationship first Let's talk about the parents first. Okay. Claire Foy, wonderful actress. Oh, Jamie Jamie Bell really as well, good. right? Yeah, she's really good. She was so good. Like it really blew my mind. Like her yeah. reactions were, her facial expressions were so on point. Even her accent as well. Mm-hmm. Like because I think originally she's from near Birmingham. Um, obviously she's an actress, so she can do accents. But I've only seen Claire Foy in The Crown playing the Queen. Yeah, one. <laughs> that's what she says she's like she's like philip so for her to actually kind of have that like that southern english accent i thought she she did really well i felt like she was a mum and obviously his parents died young to the point where he is actually i thought it was really interesting he was having a conversation with his parents but he's older than his parents were when they died yeah and that kind of thing of I've I've heard it before where kind of people who have lost their parent whose parents have died young mm-hmm. have kind of reached that age and progressed older than mm-hmm. when their parents died and kind of had a little moment a little not a crisis moment but a moment of being like I've outlived my parents like I'm older than my parents were yeah. and they were my parent yeah and he's kind of, I can kind of see him having to reconcile that of, I'm older than my parents and I, I have a lived experience that they will never, they will never know or understand because they're in the eighties, they're trapped in the eighties. He comes out to them as gay and they have a very, they they accept it. Surprisingly, they have a very nice response to it because they're dead and in his imagination, but it's kind of he imagines having a conversation with them with their 80, 80s mindset so hiv and aids is rampant the government and the people treat gay people terribly mm. she kind of says as well you know i don't want you to have a difficult life which relatable like i've had that conversation mm, same actually yeah and it it's just it it captures that feeling of queerness really well Mm. like multi-generationally as well because his parents are young so they're accepting but they're only accepting to their in their time frame Mm. it's so it's so interesting all of that i can't remember what my original point was but that is an observation i made claire foy claire foy my (laughs) god yes she's so good and jamie bell as well i think he was in billy elliott I don't, I've not really seen it. I don't know what else I've seen him in. Um, it looks very familiar. But I thought the dynamic of kind of t- 
talking to his parents like they're his friends. You can tell that they had a good relationship when he was a kid. And he's kind of, you know... It's nice. Yeah, but you can also tell that the the way he felt about his parents when he was a kid is kind of still there mm. when you read between the lines. Yeah. And they do address it at some point. I think mm. he, he has a conversation with his dad at some point that's very... It's quite sad. It's very intense about about him being bullied when he was a kid and how his dad never really said or did anything about it. Yeah. Right? So, we like, the cracks start to show at some point after the initial relief of seeing each other again um, yeah. and, like, the small talk and finding out about each other's lives. Um, but then the cracks start to show and it gives a lot of context for... It actually just paints a really complex relationship with his parents that is very normal but because his parents died when he was so young it's almost like that's not the the stuff you would think about like you only think about like the happy memories and the sadness is purely in the fact that they died Mm. but then there's all this other stuff that actually still weighs on him in a way and he never had any closure for it because he never was able to have those conversations with his parents when they were alive so he has to deal with that separately like I'm sure many people have had conversations with their parents after they've like you know moved out or after they've grown up about things that happened when they were children yeah right and that's almost necessary for a lot of people because it's cathartic and you actually get to work through of some of the stuff that you weren't able to talk about before but he never got that yeah because his parents died so having these conversations is actually it's really interesting because it shed such a light on like these things that we don't necessarily think about yeah do you think it kind of like it kind of attests it like him trying to process those feelings as well like he's trying to work through them by himself because he's got no one else to talk to about it yeah and that's his way of accepting it and moving on maybe Mm -hmm. in a way it's really sad yeah it's like he can't let his parents go until he's had these conversations and has had yeah. that closure about it and it even gets to the point where even like the ghosts of his parents not well i mean they're not ghosts but like the figment of his imagination is like this need you need to move on now yeah like it's it's time mm-hmm. and it's just like <laughs> hits you right there but then i kind of wonder there's little fragments of him in public and he even goes to public places with his parents. And it makes me wonder, like, what can other people see? Do they see him kind of acting the way we see him? Or is that just in his head? So what I didn't know, and I still don't know, is if he actually goes to these places. Like, if he actually goes to the house. That's what I was trying to figure out as well, is yeah. that I don't know if... I think you're right. I don't know if it's as yeah. literal as it looks. I think the first time is real. Yeah. And he went for the first time. And then there was some dissociation in the field, and suddenly his dad was there. I think mm. it opened up something in him when he went to that house with the photo. Yeah. I think it, it opened, like, Pandora's Because he, he went to trigger something, because he was struggling to write. Yeah. So then he went to kind of trigger it, and then... Yeah, and I think the dissociation yeah. happened in that field because he closed his eyes and suddenly it's dark outside, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know, maybe he did go home in the meantime and maybe that's what he's thinking about when he gets home. He's but, like, when I was standing in that field, what if suddenly my dad appeared? Or like, Yeah, I think I think you're right. And I think the point is is that we we don't know. Yeah. Like, the point is is that we just see him suspended in time. Yeah. Just trying to figure things out. Like, I don't know if it's meant to be as literal as it, as it is. Yeah. Which I think is really interesting to kind of portray, like, the inner workings of grief that way. Because obviously we've just reviewed Good Grief, mm-hmm. um, the Dan Levy film. And that was very concrete. That was a very, like, physical, more tangible representation of grief. Like, he's talking to his friends... He's like digging through. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. 
That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Their relationship, they're going to Paris, they're, they're moving, they're talking, they're processing together. And this is so internal. Like, he doesn't... We don't get to hear how he feels. Whereas Dan Levy would be, like, would, in the film, Good Grief, would be talking about how he feels. Mm-hmm. We only get to see how he feels and put our own understanding onto that. Mm-hmm. Which I, I think is quite fun. Yeah. In a way. Like, yeah. it's quite interesting because everyone has a different relationship to grief. Is something that we will all experience. Exactly. And like the more we, the film goes on, the more the realism kind of slips away, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because gets more internal and more yeah. frantic, I think. Yeah. And there's just a lot of things that happen that kind of mirror almost his childhood experiences. Mm. But then it's him as an adult, right? So we can really see that evolution from he's just visiting his parents to he's starting to relive childhood memories. Like the Christmas, for example. Yeah. But the, the getting into bed with his parents. But he's like in an adult body. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it is... Cha- like the dynamic between him and his parents changes a lot. Um, which is... Yeah. It's... It's really tricky. So like... Because I... So I think... Like I said, I think he's at home... And he's actively dreaming this up. Like, I think he's daydreaming. He's awake, daydreaming, thinking about these things. Yeah. But it feels so real because he's working through so many important things. And he's clearly not able to let it go. Mm-hmm. Because, like, what would he do otherwise? Just stand in front of that house for hours imagining what's going on inside <laughs> yeah that's what i was trying to figure out is is i was like does he have a key to this house is he breaking and entering like my it's... film brain was going to all of the worst case scenarios right. but then it wouldn't be like 80s on the inside because the house yeah. very much feels old-fashioned so it is just in his mind it is but i and i think where we where i draw the line is that he actually went there the first time saw the photo saw yeah. the house went to the field and then i think of... i think you're right i think that does make sense but it's but we don't know and there's no way to know right mm. but that's kind of like where he's a very unreliable narrator obviously yeah like that's interesting that thought process when it comes to harry though yeah. because he's even living in that building now this is this is why it gets so hard this is where it gets complicated we, yeah. we literally don't know anything this is where it gets complicated because no one else exists in that building apart from him and Harry. Yeah. Does he even live there? But it's like modern and everything. So is it just a place that he's created in his mind to deal with these things? Or is it real? Or are we getting too deep? Like what's going on? No, I well, I don't know. It could it could literally be anything. But that's the fun that's the fun part of it. Yeah, though. there's so many layers and we don't yeah. know what layer we're actually on. There's so many floors, we don't know what floor we're actually so on. So metaversy. Like, listen. <laughs> also, Harry so he so Adam's a writer mm-hmm. and he's writing about his parents, so he visits his parents in his mind. Mm-hmm. Right. What if it's the exact same thing for Harry? Maybe you're right. Maybe Harry doesn't exist. And it's all a figment of his imagination because that's what he's writing about. Girl. Let's talk about Harry then because the way... Spoiler alert. The way I understand Harry is that he also lost a partner. Young. And I thought, what a terrible way like what a terrible thing he's lost his parents he's grown up accepted his queerness fallen in love with someone and then they die Mm. that's how i understood it and i think it adds another dimension to his grief because 
he's not only dealing with childhood grief, he's dealing with the loss of a loved, like a partner through a queer lens. Mm -hmm. And queerness comes with its own type of loneliness and its own type of grief. Because obviously grief comes in lots of different forms. And I think that was a really interesting layer to add. That he's not just lonely because he's got no family, but he's had to reconcile loneliness as a queer person. Mm. He's obviously dealt with his sexuality without his parents. He was raised by a granny. You know, he was surrounded by much older people growing up and he's had to deal with these thoughts and feelings without the support of the two people he loved the most. Yeah. And that's hard in itself, but then the loneliness that comes with that. Because you know when you're like... Obviously, most of us kind of realised we were gay as teenagers, right? And I think kind of Adam alludes to the fact that he had the same thing. But you know when you're first kind of dealing with that, at least in our generation I don't know about future generations but you're kind of dealing with that feeling where you're like does anyone else feel like I do or is it just me that feels like this Mm -hmm. you've got no examples of people to look up to especially further back like they had nothing nothing on TV or in the media or anything and so you're like it's quite isolating to kind of come to terms with that because you have to just come to terms with that mostly on your own Mm -hmm. And I feel like the film does a really good job of kind of portraying that he has been through that and he's still trying to deal with being alone as a gay man. I just thought it was interesting. Yeah. And also, he when he talks to his um, dad about that bullying, he said that after they died, he had to make sure that he wasn't going to get bullied anymore. Yeah. Because he just lost his parents and the last thing that he could bear with was on top of that being bullied so i think what happened is that he pushed it all away so far Mm -hmm. just to avoid that anyway so that adds another layer to that like another layer of loneliness yeah that loneliness Mm. and then when he was in his 20s is what i assume he and this is a conversation he has with harry is that he couldn't even he was scared yeah like it was scary being gay at that time because of AIDS going around and that's all people could talk about if you've grown up surrounded by that yeah exactly like realising that you're gay is terrifying right like I can't imagine so that is another layer like his his 20s or first half of his 20s at least he was scared of it Mm. so like where does it end right and then he's like lonely in this massive building so yeah yeah it's mad I think also Whoever Harry is, if he's if he was real or not, he also talks about the lonely feeling. Mm-hmm. He talks to Adam as their relationship kind of develops and they become more open and vulnerable with each other. He talks about how he's got parents and a brother and a sister and they've, you know, they're married, have kids, whatever. And he says, I always felt like the outsider in my family. And we, you know, we assume that he says that because he is the gay one and he, you know, it's tough, like, coming to terms with that Mm. where there's no examples around you. And he literally talks about how he found it difficult. Yeah. And it, like, lonely. Yeah. So then, you know, these two people who are lonely find each other seek solace in each other then one of them dies <laughs> it was horrible and then he's left to deal with all of that but so himself. when did he die like this this is and we were briefly talking about this yeah. after we watched it like this because it looks like he died before they even met properly it looks like he died after he came to his apartment and he said no that's what it looks like because he's there with the same bottle do you think oh I didn't take it that way at all and he was drunk and he said if only you had let me in you're like, you should have let me in. You're right. Oh, my God. You're right. Ever. Oh, my God. This is what I think oh, it was stupid. all made up. The entire yeah. And this is why, for me, it was so depressing at the end. So you think... Because I don't that- think the relationship actually happened. This is why... Oh, my God. You're right. It this didn't. This is why it's bleak as f- Okay. Okay. In which case, 
you're you're so right it didn't happen yeah because in that case then harry is literally a figment of like he's another manifestation of adam's loneliness yeah yeah like the queer side of his loneliness but he but he can't Have, even let him in and I, this is this is the thing right like that's so true because he can't because he can't let him in it you know it it says that because Adam is struggling so much with grieving and queerness yeah. that he can't let anyone in. Exactly. And that he needs to let go to move on. Like, he's let go of his parents. Yeah. And he's almost, but, like, fantasizing or, like, having this whole imagination of what it would be like. Yeah. But he can't... And then... And he's finally let go of his parents. But, you know, he's in his 40s. He's alone. Yeah. That's what he's dealing with. You're right. Oh, my God. So Harry wasn't real. Okay, now I'm depressed. Oh, maybe he is real, but maybe he's dead. But he was real. They met. They met once because he drank. He he drank himself to death. Is that right? Well, he was doing drugs as well, so So I think it was probably overdose. A combination. Mm. Well, we don't know because we don't know. See, that's 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 such a a thing to how layered the film is that one line. That's holding the exact same bottle of gin. Yeah. And and, and yes. Yes. And I, so, I did spot that, but so, I just assumed it was. Oh god! I made a suggestion to you after we watched the film about mm. how to interpret it. So your reaction to me is probably coming from a completely different place because I said maybe they were together before all of this, and yeah. then he died, and then the timeline just got jumbled in my head. Maybe they were together at some point in real life. Well, that's what I thought, but then maybe not because he's literally dead. That like he looks like that's a consequence of not going into Adam's apartment. Like, he went back to his flat and he drank himself to death. And then there, there was the impression that he'd been there for a while. Yeah. Which makes sense, because a so lot of whilst, time passes. Yeah, so whilst Adam was trying to figure all of this stuff out, he wasn't letting Harry in. Yeah. Interesting. It's honestly insane. That makes me, now I'm really sad. This is what I'm telling you. This is why it's so bleak. This is this is the issue. But I think because it's so open to interpretation. Yeah. But he said you didn't let me in. That's what yeah. that's what Harry says. Is you didn't let me in. Yeah, you're right. You just needed to let me in. I needed to like be. I needed to be let in. Mm. Like he's telling him, like I was so lonely. I just needed one person. Yeah. To let me in. And the one person that couldn't let him in was the, also a lonely person. Yeah. They just... It's like ships passing in the night. I feel like film does that quite well. Like, I feel like there's so many films where there's, like, people are passing ships mm. and they don't actually... It, it speaks to the human experience that everyone's dealing with their own stuff. But to actually be present and let someone in is like the true test yeah because the, the even a small encounter they had literally changed both of their lives yeah and they didn't even have it's like you said there were ships passing in the night like they didn't even yeah but it literally killed harry and it made adam oh, move on from his parents yeah but then, like I was saying earlier, maybe Harry's just made up completely because he's writing and he's writing about his parents. Because that's the thing as well, is that because Adam is so unreliable, you don't know if he's like just... You don't know if Harry's a character he's writing. You don't know if Harry is a manifestation of his grief and loneliness and like queerness. Mm-hmm. Maybe you just don't know. Maybe he's writing about moving on from his parents with this relationship maybe he's just writing about it what we're watching what we think we're yeah watching. but then he starts struggling with letting his parents go and then the narrative unravels in his mind like we don't know what we're watching yeah maybe everything that we're seeing is just his well he's writing it's like just his breakdown <sighs> mate we can't figure this out does anyone else know? Can you let us know your thoughts, please? Oh, speaking of, people did let me know their thoughts. Oh. Can I do a little detour? Yeah. People actually messaged me about this because I said we were going to record on it. All of Strangers? Yeah. So thrilled. So we had uh, we had one response who said, went by myself, cried my eyes out. Same girl. We had our lovely friend Lily who said, all of us crying. 
<laughs> I hear you, Lily. Woman after my own heart. Um, we also had absolutely destroyed me. Yeah, was the review. Feel ya. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that that pretty much sums it up, right? Yeah. All of us strangers, more like all of us crying. All of us crying. Thanks, Lily. Like, I, it honestly destroyed me. God. Yeah. Because this is what I'm saying. Like, what, what is... Tell me one thing that's happy about this ending. Let's talk about the ending because... I can't get the shot out of my head. Like, I'm serious. It's the shot of them gorgeous. lying on the bed. It's beautiful. But then it's like... But then it's like they're all, like, stars in the sky. Does that mean that Adam's dead too? This is what I'm saying. Is it his life flashing before his eyes? I don't know. But then he's hugging Harry. Very Shakespearean. It is very Shakespearean. My God. But like at the end, he's hugging Harry, the the imaginary Harry. They're comforting each other. Or he's comforting... Because the whole time Harry's kind of comforting Adam. But in this final scene, Adam is comforting Harry. Oh really? I thought Harry was putting him. Did I get it wrong? I think he's I don't being know. spooned. He's spooning Harry at the end. Is he? Yeah. So this one shot so it, that I can't it, get out of my head, I actually have it wrong. A, <laughs> I think. I think. he Because it, it, I remember it flipping round. So all of a sudden... It's, oh, it's just horrible. But then it kind of fades out and fades out and all of a sudden we're a star in the sky. Editing Amber here. Another interpretation of this final scene could be a fever dream of memories. In an interview with Digital Spy, director Andrew Hay explained that there is a way in which this film could have ended on an optimistic, joyful note. To me, that would have been too simplistic in terms of what the story is trying to unpick and understand, which is about the actual nature, the essence of love, and what is important within that. Just some interesting food for thought within the context of what we're talking about. It makes it kind of feel futile at the end. I I liked the ending. I thought it was a really fitting way to end it. It, But it makes it all feel futile. Like all of these feelings and all of these emotions and they all, you know, they're all just stars in the sky now. They're just dead. They're stars in the sky. Just like when you look at a skyscraper or a massive building. Like at the beginning. It's like little lights everywhere. Like at the beginning. Yeah. It's the same thing. Like... It's that just the idea that in one building so many different lives are going on with so many different layers. Yeah. It's the same. Like it just represented by stars at the end. What does it all mean? God f- knows. What does it mean? <laughs> Before we finish this one, there's one thing I definitely want to talk mm-hmm. about. Yeah. And go for that's it. about um, gay sex. <laughs> talk to me. Sharpen your ears. I loved I loved I loved the relationship, I will say first of all. But as, I think this was like one of the most realistic gay or like just relationships I've ever seen and And it's not even real (laughs) debatable he's a good writer I hope he's writing about it just like honestly insane yeah how real it feels and I'm not a gay man it's like I was there it's like I was it I'm not even (laughs) I'm not even a gay man but okay I want to ask you this obviously we're going to be talking about red white and royal blue after this similar themes to do with sex scenes yeah do i want to get your perception because obviously we are not gay men but like on screen how does that work for you (laughs) not in like (laughs) what are you talking about how does that work for me but like when i I I can't explain i thought it was hot that's what that's kind of what i'm asking like what's your reaction to it i don't mean in like a sexy way but like in an aesthetic way no i think it was super sexy yeah me too yeah but i think like it's just like the gayness of it but like i know that some queer women watch gay sex scenes and they're like indifferent they're just like whatever like this does nothing but i feel like some queer women watch it and they can kind of understand like because it's so gay it's about the intimacy that's it exactly it's not, yeah like even like, but it's queer intimacy as well like i can aesthetically appreciate that there is something sexy going on yeah no for sure like even sorry sorry this, i phrased that really badly no but. <laughs> but i totally get what you're saying but i even have that with like some straight sex scenes if they're really good yeah like i don't care what bodies are in it oh 100 percent. it's it's about like that 
sorry I actually don't really like this word it's about like that carnal like <laughs> I know what you mean though like it's just it's a bit visceral it's like human connection like yeah. it's like it's seeing two and especially in the I love the sex scene in this, sex scenes in this film like I loved every single one yeah and like I'm not a game I, I don't care about men I don't but <laughs> tagline of the episode I don't care about men like you could tell you could feel that kind of intimacy okay yeah let me see how I can phrase this appropriately. When you're in love with someone and you have sex, cut cut, cut this appropriately. <laughs> the way it like strengthens that bond, intimacy, or, like, that love, yeah. even more, but like exponentially strengthens it. That is exactly I get how it, yeah. they they got it just right. When because you that's what I was yeah. seeing. And this is why it works. I could, I don't care what the genders are of the people. I completely agree. If you when make you a sex see scene like that, yeah, yeah, when you see that visual representation of actual intimacy, yeah, especially like seeing that in a queer sex scene. That because obviously, like we grew up watching the L word, right? Let's not mince words. Like that, there's no, there's very little intimacy there. Like it's all like as you said, it's all like carnal like physical Mm. but when you actually see a well thought out queer sex scene through a queer lens andrew scott is gay as well right Mm -hmm. when you see that commitment they had an intimacy coordinator as well Mm -hmm. that commitment to a the film craft and b like actually portraying queer intimacy in such a nice way like it's just so refreshing they're actually connecting with each other yeah. whether or not who's real and what but like who cares Dude, honestly and it's like clunky at, at the start which is super realistic yeah like and the way they talk through it i love yeah. it it like a contrast that comes to mind is like ammonite right or like god's uh. own country even to a certain extent like not <laughs> i feel bad i'm not trashing francis lee and I, I swear like you make good movies francis lee but the way that sex is portrayed is so different yeah. Like it's so animalistic, not animalistic, yeah, but no. it's like Car- it's Carl. so base. Yeah. It's intimate. Yeah. And it's it's loving. Like they're not just And it's so refreshing because it's like thank god Especially... people are watching queer characters interact in this loving kind way with each other. Especially cuz they're gay men and that's yes. so rare to have intimate sex yes. scenes that are not all about getting off really quick. Yeah. In a, in a film about gay men. Yeah, so true. Like, how many examples can you give? Aside from... Sorry, I can't think. Red, White and Royal Blue. I, yeah, I thought that was good. Yeah. Um, this is, this more is, in our episode. But this also, is what I wanted yeah, to compare. This between, is where I saw the similarities. Is in the way to handle the, the sex scene. Brokeback Mountain? Maybe. No. But that's not as... No. 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 And I love that film. But th- that's what I mean. That's Sl- like rough. It's yeah. like aggression. It's like that carnal. But I mean thing. in terms of the intimacy that the character. I'm going to stop saying that. <laughs> stop saying carnal. Sorry. The way I mean in terms of the intimacy that's shown between the characters, not just the sex. That it's kind aggressive of- in Brobeck Mountain. Even their intimacy. The sex is, yeah. Even their intimacy. Yeah, in okay. a way. Okay. And like, I, but I can't. It's not a slander. No. It's not slander. <laughs> it's not a slander. It's not a slander. I can't think of another example. I just think the representation side of it yeah. is so good. Yeah, I like, agree. I agree. If I if I was a, a gay boy in um in making <laughs> gay boy in the making. I need I to ask a- my gay friends. Gay friends, hey. Hi. Um if I was a gay boy in the making and I watched that, I was like <laughs> like it just felt yeah, like yeah. so yeah. I loved it. I, I ate it up. I ate it up just like Harry ate bleep 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 actually i thought that was quite hot and i'm a woman i was really surprised by my reaction to that scene yeah Yeah. anyway (laughs) good start any final thoughts girly um is there any happiness left in the world (laughs) all the lights have gone out in my soul i honestly i i know you've got a a tough relationship with these things so i I appreciate you i have a top three bleak films okay yeah number one dancer in the dark Oh, I haven't seen that one. Though. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, Aniara. Oh. It's the Swedish film I wrote about in my dissertation. Yeah, yeah. Oh, ouch. <laughs> Number three, All of Us Strangers. And they all have one thing in common, and it's just... Just bleakness at the end. Yeah. Not to say that I didn't like it, because I think it's a really good film. And oh, it's not trashing the film at all. At all. We've but talked like, for an hour about how much we love this film. Exactly. I might have to, like, not watch it again. Or maybe in like 10 years. But that is how I feel about It's a Sin. 
the That's show. Fair. Beautiful, well acted, well crafted, incredible representation from someone who lived through it mm. can never watch it again. It's too sad. It's too heartbreaking. Yeah. And that that's how I feel about all uh, of us strangers. That's heartbreaking. Yeah. Anyway. anyway. <laughs> Shall I wrap, 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 wrap yeah, up? Do you have any final thoughts? No. <laughs> um, final thoughts. Gorgeous. That one of the lines, actually, sorry. One of the lines that, <laughs> that Harry says to Adam that I really liked is when Adam said that, or like he said, my parents both died, when, but it's a really long time ago. And Harry's like, that, I don't think that matters. Yeah, I don't think that matters. I was like, oh, yeah. God, he's sensitive soul. It's nice because it doesn't. Whether or not Harry is real, whether or not that actually happened, it's a comforting, reassuring thing to know that it doesn't matter how long it's been since you've lost someone. Yeah. Like, it's still valid. It's still, it's still grief. Yeah. In whatever form it is. Exactly. So yeah, that was nice. And I think mm. the conversation they had about being queer was amazing. Yeah. So like talking even about the meaning of like the word queer and stuff like that. I thought that was really powerful. I like that. So good. Yeah, again, now that has another layer to it because it's like is he teaching himself that like <laughs> I mean, he must have done a lot of reflecting. Yeah. Like you said dealing with it by himself. Yeah. For so long. And and Paul Harry <laughs> Paul Mescal's character Harry kind of seems like the perfect partner yeah like he does nothing wrong so it makes sense in a way that he's a figment figment <sighs> do you want to, now shall I show you the picture of me when I met Paul Mescal at the BAFTAs last year <gasps> <laughs> yeah show me I'll have to find it I he's a fine looking man but Andrew Scott he's a lovely man as well very very nice I would want to meet Andrew Scott also he's hot hot priest Woof. my favorite kind thank you so much everyone for listening to this episode of the uk film review podcast if you like this episode we have a episode that comes out on the third thursday of every month gay actually for your listening ears as i said we also have our gay actually channel we are doing another podcast this week on red white and royal blue so if you (laughs) kind of need like a light relief after this episode be sure to check that out it's already out bit of light relief fun comedy fun gay vibes in a slightly similar way but also a quite different way very horny god that guy that plays alex wow yeah (laughs) so be sure to check us out over there you can also on the UK Film Review podcast find other series such as The Phantom Zone and The Scream Test all very good well worth a listen you can find us on Instagram at gayactuallypodcast and via email at gayactuallyuk at gmail.com fabulous thank you so much Joyce always a pleasure thank you Amber always a pleasure (laughs) likewise (laughs) thanks for listening everyone take care and goodbye Bye. Bye. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.